This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Is the end of the war in Afghanistan in sight? Maybe so and maybe not. The U.S. has negotiated an agreement with the Taliban to begin setting the terms of a U.S. departure. But that agreement hasn't prevented fighting from the Taliban and Afghan security forces already. Cato's John Glazer and Chris Preble discuss what should come next. Even with a tentative agreement to bring hostilities to an end in Afghanistan, it seems that the Taliban has resumed some uh, of its operations. Uh, But let's assume for the moment that that is an aberration, that there is a a strong desire. Is it uh, fair to see an end in sight for the war in Afghanistan? You know, a lot of that depends on what we do. So I think uh, the president is interested in a full U.S. withdrawal. I think he's uh, um, politically interested in that kind of thing. Uh, But the way we have approached this interim deal is that uh, we've made it a little too contingent on conditions on the ground. Um, The truth is, it is a vital U.S. national interest to get out of Afghanistan, and we shouldn't allow the Taliban or the government in the Kabul to uh, have a veto over what is right for U.S. foreign policy. Um, I worry about not only conditions on the ground, as as you said, violence has um, broken out despite a a sort of ceasefire truce as this deal has been signed. Um, And I think that kind of indicates what we're in for. There's going to be uh, a lot of violence on the ground once the United States leaves. And before that point, we're expected to um, see the Kabul government and the Taliban engage in intra-Afghan peace talks, negotiations for some kind of political settlement after we leave. And already that's on a, that's on a rocky road. The uh, president of Afghanistan, Ashraf Ghani, has said he won't engage in the confidence building measures of uh, having a prisoner swap with the Taliban. And the Taliban said, well, if you don't do that, we can't engage in intra-Afghan negotiations, which is actually what the deal says as well. So uh, it looks like a troubled road out of Afghanistan. The key question is, are U.S. policymakers going to allow the facts on the ground, which we can't really change, to pull us back in to an indefinite conflict there, or is 20 years enough? Uh, Let me add to that, Caleb. In... In any peace negotiation, there is, or coming out of any peace negotiation, there is always the potential for spoilers to, well, do what they do, which is to to try to derail the settlement. Um, and I think it's not uh, that odd or, or surprising uh, that uh, some people in Afghanistan either haven't gotten the memo or are actually uh, not committed to the deal that uh, some Taliban representatives signed. The issue is, as John points out, it is in the U.S. national security interest to withdraw from Afghanistan. It has been for some time. So are we going to allow them to 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 uh, uh, to tell us what our what our national security interests are? I hope not. But ultimately, this this deal. What's so tragic about this deal is it could have been concluded maybe a decade ago, maybe 15 or 16 years ago, uh, if if the complaint is 
that the United States uh, conceded too much to the Taliban, gave up too much, uh, made too many concessions, um, then then you are committed to trying to change the conditions on the ground, which if I'm, which is what we've been essentially trying to do for 18 years. Um, and so, you know, if you believe that us staying for another 18 years or 36 or go on, if you believe that that us staying will substantially change the conditions on the ground, then you're not going to be committed to a peace settlement, no matter what the terms are, because you think you're actually going to be able to create conditions on the ground that are that lead to a much more favorable settlement to the United States. My argument is the favorable settlement was was available to us a very very long time ago, and what do we have to show for it? Um, 2,400 Americans killed, uh, 21,000 injured, and uh, hundreds of thousands of Afghans killed. And $2 trillion. The Washington Post, of course, uh, revealed a, a great deal about, I mean, it's not unfair, I think, to say the lies that were coming out of uh, the Pentagon with respect to you know, turning a corner, turning a corner, turning a corner uh, in Afghanistan, and much of that uh, proved to be illusory. How much of those revelations uh, bear on this situation? Well, it's possible that the Afghanistan papers gave a push to this debate. I think uh, it f pulled the rug out from under a lot of people who might otherwise argue that, in fact, we need to keep at it and keep trying in Afghanistan. Um, but I think the story of the Afghanistan papers, this big expose where countless officials in secret admitted that the war was going terribly, even though publicly they maintained that it was going well and that we were making progress. Um, the real lesson of that is that it's just really, really hard for a country to withdraw from a war before it feels like it has fully vanquished its enemies and and got you know achieved full victory it's extremely hard to admit that the war has been lost that um, many of the costs borne may have been borne in vain uh, that is a hard thing for political leaders to admit it's a hard thing for Americans to get comfortable with unfortunately it's an inescapable reality in this case and so uh, we really just need to kind of swallow our pride and uh, come to the realization, acknowledge the fact that uh, it's not in our interest to be in this country any longer. One of the uh, claims, uh, the fear, I guess, by a, a lot of people in Washington, D.C. who say we're effectively, by departing now, uh, we are abandoning the Afghans. So, uh, the United States has tried to uh, reassure uh, people in Afghanistan, we have not ab abandoned you. We are not going to abandon you. I I hate to be you know uh, rude, but isn't that sort of the point? Right. I mean, I I, I don't doubt that people and people are making that argument, and that's sort of uh, the one of the leading objections to again any peace settlement or this peace settlement. Uh, but we have to remember why we went into Afghanistan in the first place, and and it reminds us how much that mission has changed. the The reason we went into Afghanistan was not to build a functioning government there, was not to uh, bring rights for women or or minorities. It was not uh, to uh, to establish a new uh, political and social order in Afghanistan. It had to do with, with terrorism. I think there's an, a good argument to be made that the United States doesn't need to remain in Afghanistan. Afghanistan to fight terrorism. In fact, I think John and 
uh, John and John Mueller's paper goes into this in some detail, uh, but they also address the issue of sort of abandoning the Afghans. Uh, my my argument on this is the Afghan people have been fighting a civil war for 42 years, roughly. Um, and I do believe there is a new generation that is at least willing to contemplate the idea of some kind of political power sharing arrangement that, that would result in the end of that conflict. Uh, but what the United States being there has done is sort of continued that conflict and prevented, I think, that sort of negotiation from taking place. Will it result in the United States um, and our favorite allies and, and partners getting everything they want? Of course not. Uh, but I think it's too soon to declare uh, that the possibility of some kind of political reconciliation settlement is impossible in, in Afghanistan were it not for the United States to remain there indefinitely. And we just have to be honest about what's achievable. Uh, it turns out that Afghan society is not all that susceptible to inputs from the United States military uh, in, in, in terms of changing its society, changing its culture, changing its forms of governance, changing its history. I mean, you can't do that. The military is a very blunt instrument. Nation building is very hard, almost always fails. And we just have to be realistic. It's, it's a sad thing to note the possibility, the very real possibility that women's rights in Afghanistan will be rescinded over time as the United States withdraws. Uh, it's an unfortunate reality. I don't see how uh, we can escape that reality beyond wishing for a better future and throwing tons of money at it despite signs that in fact we can't achieve that. And we also have to remember, of course, there are, there are other of our allies who we seem not to care at all about the rights of women, for example, most importantly, Saudi Arabia. Um, so if, if that's really was driving U.S. policy in general, uh, then I think there's a lot of other questions about our relationship with a lot of other allies who are also um, do not, uh, you know, do not endorse or subscribe to the kind of liberal project that, that we advance here at the Cato Institute. John Glazer directs foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute. Chris Preble is vice president for defense and foreign policy studies at Cato. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 